You are listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well, where we highlight evidence-based tools from psychological science and complementary and alternative medicine to help us all cultivate resilience and live with more meaning, purpose, and alignment with personal values, even in the most stressful and darkest of times. I'm Melissa Mingfoynes, your host, and I am also a clinical psychologist and educator, trauma-informed mindfulness meditation and yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic doula. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. I am really excited to have a special guest here with us today. And before I introduce her, just wanted to bring your attention to the free four-part video series on building resilience that integrates evidence-based tools from psychology with other tools from ancient wisdom. So I encourage you to check that out. The link is in the episode notes. If you haven't already. And also, if you aren't aware, I am offering a new holistic coaching program. So please feel free to check that out as well. So I have with me here today, Isabel Havas, and I'm so excited for her to share some of her wisdom and expertise with us. And as you all know, the pressure to perform in our society continues to increase with self-care, taking a backseat. And Isabel, like many of us, myself included, used to find herself feeling very lost in our high pressure society. And so now one core part of her mission is to help other people make themselves their own priority by learning how to cultivate more joy and ease in their lives. So that is a mission that I love and wholeheartedly support. And so we are kindred spirits in that way. And today, Isabel, amongst the the many projects and activities she is engaged in professionally, works as an intuition coach and helps women in corporate settings to get out of a mentality of lacking in order to go from self-doubt to self-trust. So you can see why I was so excited to have her on the podcast this week, because I am such a huge proponent of connecting to our intuition, figuring out how to do that and how to build more self-trust. So Isabel, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here as well. And I actually couldn't wait for our our interview today. Same. I've been looking to it for quite some time now. So Isabel, I thought it might be helpful if you're willing to start here to share a little bit about your personal journey to this mission, a bit more about what led you to find yourself in this aspect of this healing space. Sure. So, hey, everybody. Uh, My name's Isabel, and I actually live in Munich in Germany. And I started off as so many, I guess, um, in a, let's say, let's call it traditional way so I went to university I got my bachelor's degree and then because I thought I didn't want to go back to university for my master's I started off working right away and um, through my journey in university I actually got to know finance really well and I enjoyed being in finance a lot so that's why my first job after university was in controlling and in the automotive industry, which is, 
let's say, masculine energy oriented, and we can come to that um, as well later at one point. Um, and I really got myself into my job. I love working long hours. And I also thought it had to be like that because everyone was working overtime and no one was questioning that we had to work like 50, 60, 70 hours. And I thought it was so cool to be busy and to be stressed out to some kind, to, to a certain degree. And I was in that job only for two years before I found myself burned out, sitting in front of a computer one day, not being able to do anything. I actually didn't know what I was doing, what I had to do. The simple task seemed so complicated and difficult for me. I wasn't able to, to manage what I was working on anymore. And that's when my one of my colleagues, she sent me home and said, okay, you better get a good night's sleep and then you'll be fine again tomorrow. I actually wasn't. I went to a doctor's and um, he actually said, okay, maybe it's not one day and you'll be fine, but it's more or less a couple of weeks or months. And I stayed home for three months and recovered and actually decided to go back to my old profession way too soon. I wasn't really, my soul hadn't really healed. So I was fine on a physical um from a physical side, my body was okay again, but my soul wasn't. And I still went back to my, my job. But then I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I better change the company because obviously that is what got me sick. And I changed my job. And actually four years into that job, I landed in that same space. Not that I was burnt out to the same extent that I had been before, but I was really exhausted. I was tired. I had a lot of headaches and I thought, okay, well, maybe it wasn't the company. Maybe it wasn't the job, but maybe it was me not really fitting into this idea of career, I guess. And that's why when I started to dive deeper into self-development, personal development, and started with my 100 trillions, gazillions of trainings. And um, today I show women that are basically in the same situation that I was in back then, how to get themselves out of this and feel empowered in a career and be joyful, have a lot of fun in their jobs and not see life as a drag or um, something that doesn't feel feel good or doesn't feel um, like something that you should enjoy. I so appreciate you sharing a bit about your personal journey, Isabel, because I think it really does highlight how in so many industries, there is such an emphasis on overworking, mm-hmm. that it is a badge of, of honor. It's a way that we get praise, that we get accolades to really even push through physical illness or really serious medical or even mental yeah. health challenges. And it can be very hard to disentangle ourselves from mm-hmm. some of those messages, especially since our worth, so to speak, in many of these contexts is really dependent on how much we're producing and how much right. we're, we're working. Right. That's so true. And I actually had one boss and I usually, when I started um, in my first job, I used to work from 7.30 to 7 PM, let's say. Um, and one time I was leaving at 6.30 already, already. I mean, I'm, I had my 10 hours of work in but my, the only thing that my boss d- 
did say to me back then was, oh, so you're on a part-time job now? And I was like, what the heck is going on? See, I, I, I've been here since 7.30 in the morning. I had my 30-minute break and now I'm leaving at 6.30-ish. <laughs> what, wow. what the heck? You're telling yeah. me I have a part-time job? <laughs> so yeah, that's really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I, the another thing that I appreciated about what you shared is talking about the way in which you noticed signs of burnout in different domains. So there was this more psychological component of not having that joy or zest in your work life, because I know for, for many of us, and I think the research supports this too, that or I know that it does, <laughs> that <laughs> burnout can be manifested in a physical way in mm-hmm. terms of fatigue and illness and those kinds of symptoms, but it can also manifest in terms of feeling ineffective at work, feeling a bit of hopelessness at work, feeling like your job doesn't really have a lot of personal value or meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we, we define burnout in a really narrow way, mm-hmm. which can make it really difficult for us to monitor signs of burnout in ourselves. Because as you know, burnout in one person can look very different from burnout in another person. And the earlier we can intervene, mm-hmm. the better off we are. Of course, it's never too late. And if we're more attuned to our personalized signs of burnout, so to speak, we can recognize them earlier on in the process and then do something about it, change something about it earlier in the process as well. Yeah, that that's so true. And actually that's happened when I kind of got myself into a similar situation a couple of years ago. Um, even though I had experienced burnout, be- burnout before, I got myself into that situation again, but that time I was aware that, okay, I have a lot of, a lot of headaches going on right now. My sleep is not of high quality. So that's when I started to recognize the same symptoms again. And with me, they started to show on a physical side. So I had a lot of headaches. I was tired, as you said, as well before you might feel exhausted a lot. And then also that showed in a way, I didn't want to go out anymore. I didn't want to see anyone anymore. I didn't want to meet friends because it already felt so exhausting to meet them, to talk to them, to have fun and enjoy life. You know, that already already was so exhausting to me only thinking about that. Um, so, but that was only in the, in my first burnout, I wouldn't call the the second time I felt really exhausted in my job, I wouldn't call that burnout, even though it is already a burnout. We're in a burnout way easier or way sooner than we might think. Um, it doesn't have to be really severe to call it a burnout. I think that's a really important point to keep in mind because I think, again, because of some of these societal messages, we work ourselves into a grind, we white knuckle through, we can really push and push and push just because we can and we're being encouraged to. And so we get this false impression that it's only burnout when it reaches a certain level, but we don't, we can still be relatively functional in our lives, even if in an inward way, 
we're feeling that sense of burnout. And I really appreciate how you also shared the potential impact on relationships, not feeling connected to other people, having a hard time even separating personal life from professional life. I think that can also happen when, when there's burnout as well. So I think that's a really great point, making sure that we intervene Mm -hmm. when, when things are, I call it the low grade toothache level. You don't want to wait until you need a root canal. (laughs) You want to, when you (laughs) just, when you start to notice a little bit of tooth pain, that's a great time to go to the dentist. So that's my metaphor that I think about a lot. (laughs) That's a great metaphor. Yeah. I got to remember that one. That's really because people know how it feels to have a little pain in their teeth. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really have to get that bad to yeah. go to the dentist and to get the checkup and right. to take a break and to rest. And mm-hmm. I feel that in our society today, it's, it's regarded as weak. If you take a break, if you say, okay, you know, I might just take a day off today or um, just be for myself at the weekend, go out in nature nature, go for a walk. This is regarded as, okay, so she needs a break again. So she is not productive. She is not efficient. She doesn't function well because she needs a break. And I think that picture or that image has to change. It's not, it's not a weakness. Mm -hmm. It's just a different energy that we are tuning into. That's why I refer to that masculine energy um, at the beginning, because I feel burnout is kind of a spiritual crisis we need mm. both sides we need the feminine part and the masculine part you were referring to pushing through that's masculine mm-hmm. and we need that I mean, I mean we need that to get things done but then we also need that feminine that rest that break that breathing that just being versus the doing all the time and I think that so many people forgot about that because it's regarded as weak as I said it's mm-hmm. not not something that you want to achieve in your life. It's mm-hmm. not, not, not something that you put on your CV or anything, but it's so <laughs> necessary, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that you bring us back to this orientation of masculine and feminine energy, because this is something that is present in different wisdom traditions. So in Chinese medicine, we have the yin and the yang energy in, in yogic psychology and philosophy, we have the Ida and Pingala energy. And as you said, it's not that one is necessarily better or worse. We do need both. It's about being attuned to the balance Mm -hmm. and when we might be habitually gravitating towards a certain kind of energy, because that is what we've been trained or conditioned to embody or inhabit. Those are the messages that we're getting from other people and yet recognizing within ourselves when we need to bring in a different kind of energy. And I'm, I'm curious, Isabel, to hear a bit from you about the work that you did within yourself and the work that you help your clients to do related to flipping the script script, because I I think that a lot of people intellectually recognize, okay, it's not helpful for me to be living out this ideal of overworking myself. Mm -hmm. And yet when I try to separate myself from that and take more breaks and restructure the way that I'm approaching my work or even my work schedule, whatever it is that people are trying to switch in their lives, there is a bit of self-consciousness and there is a little bit of anxiety that people are breaking free from a dominant 
narrative or a dominant script, so to speak. And so that can feel very scary and it can feel wrought with self-doubt and there's a lot of risk there. And so I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So um, to dive a little bit deeper into my uh, journey as well, again, when I started with that, I didn't know about masculine and feminine energy. That whole concept was basically non-existent for me. I just knew that something within me was not the way I would love it to be. So that's why I tuned into my body more in terms of I listened to it more. When I had a headache, I tuned into and asked myself, what could the reason be for the headache? When did the headache start? What happened at, t- at the time when the headache appeared again? And that's when I found out that my headache was pretty much related to stressful times in the office. And then I realized, okay, there must be a connection between the pressure that I put on myself as well as um, the physical symptoms that, that were showing in my body as well. And one really important thing that I always, always repeat, it's nothing that happens overnight. It's not that you decide, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be healthy. Tomorrow I have my masculine feminine energy in balance. It's not like that. There will always be some imbalance every now and then. And that is totally fine. It's just What is important is that you recognize that something is not or might not be in balance for you and that then you take the time and check in with yourself, tune into your body, because I feel that is always the easiest way to approach it, like check in, how do you feel in your body, where might be symptoms or signs that you are not feeling great in your body. And that is a great way to approach your soul as well. So for me, when, when my body is showing symptoms, that's so to say my soul speaking to me, like, okay, if you're not listening to me, if you're not taking enough breaks, I show you (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you need them through physical signs, through Mm -hmm. physical symptoms. And that's a pretty good indicator for me now. So when I am, I'm having these days of several days in a row where I have a headache, that's for me, the sign when I realize, okay, I maybe. I didn't take care of myself enough these past days. I was, again, in that cycle of pushing through all the time. And um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of my, my own journey. And I think that this also helps a lot when it comes to um, other people trying to understand this concept of feminine and masculine energy, because I understand that at, at first it might seem a little bit uncommon or nothing that we have heard about ever before. So um, yeah, I guess it's, it starts with taking some time for yourself and really trying to listen to, to yourself and to your body again. And then also um, what is really important when it comes to that is not beating yourself up because that is something that so many people out there do as well. Um, there are several other ways how you can actually tap into your femininity and try to um, balance your energies within your body. But when it comes to that, some people t- tend to beat themselves up because they are not they are not able to meditate from scratch. They they have a hard time meditating or tapping or just being on their own or just 
trying to draw or to sing or however they want to get creative and it seems like they they have to do that in order to balance but it's rather the concept of letting go of surrendering than trying to achieve all that as well again mm-hmm. i think that is so important in the concept of feminine and masculine energy to not try to put the feminine on some kind of to-do list mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So really trying to approach it in more of an embodied way and also to have it be somewhat organic as well. And I, right. and I wonder, Isabel, if it might be helpful for people who are newer to this mm-hmm. framework, because as we've been saying, even though this is a framework that in many ways is cross-cultural. It exists in different kinds of cultures and wisdom traditions by different names and different, slightly different frameworks. But for you, how might you describe the qualities of masculine energy versus feminine energy? You've touched on this a little bit so far, but again, almost like Mm -hmm. a little bit of a primer for people who are less familiar with this idea and are going to be playing around with it because I I do feel like in order for it to not be something on a to-do list, it helps to have a sense of experientially what Mm -hmm. each feels like. And of of course, each of us is going to experience these different kinds of energies differently. But if you could just give a little bit of an introduction, I think that would be helpful. Mm -hmm, Sure. So masculine energy is basically when you are in an active mode, when you are in a doing mode, when you are hustling, when you are getting things done, when you are working on things, when you are, um, when things are really urgent and you're doing them right away, or um, yeah, it's basically the doing versus the being that's, that's, I guess, the easiest way to explain it. And when you are, more passive not in a way that you are not doing anything but more of surrendering to things letting go of control letting things happen for you when you are really patient with yourself and your life when you are calm and when you are relaxed when you're taking breaks that is the feminine energy so it's it's some sort, some kind of softness that you bring into your life versus the um, pushing through, the going through. Um, so these are the different traits of the two energies. Mm-hmm. And it's not that usually in, in a working environment, you are automatically in a masculine energy because you have your job, you have your tasks, and you get things done. And there's, as we said a couple of times now, there's nothing bad about masculine energy, because Mm -hmm. otherwise we would never probably get things done. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're too often doing and wanting to push through things, getting things done, if if everything you do is basically something that you check off a to-do list, so next and next and next, and you're never taking a break, that's when it becomes unhealthy for you. That's when you're too much in that masculine energy because you're only in that doing and you're never in that resting. It can be actually, um, you, can, you can see that as a person that never really sleeps. Mm-hmm. At one point, that might be okay because um, you're, where you're working, you're hustling and you're getting things done. And 
Sometimes we are, we have these days where we never want to finish working because we're in the flow and we're getting things done and all of that. But then there's that one point in time where you need to stop and take a break. Otherwise, um, as I said, it becomes an unhealthy relationship to the different energies to, or towards the masculine energy. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that explanation. And, and I don't know if this is helpful to people listening as well. This is, comes more from my background in yoga. But when I, in addition to what Isabel shared, when I think about masculine energy, I often think about there being a dominance or a reliance on more of the analytical or the logical or the pragmatic, whereas the more feminine energy, there may be more of a dominance of um, emotional understanding, emotional intelligence. And I think oftentimes intuition is kind of this integration of, of both sort of sourcing from our intuitive wisdom, sourcing from the facts of the situation. I think intuition to me has more of a feminine quality, but Mm -hmm. I, I do, I do think it's not devoid of masculine energy because like you said, I think they, I think of this, I don't know if you agree, but I think of it as they're both present all the time. It's they coexist. It's yeah. more about which one is more dominant, so to speak, or or which yeah. one we're accessing more, mm-hmm. um, because they do work together. So it's not like um, observing boundaries is necessarily a masculine quality. We can observe we can observe boundaries and yet approach it in a more in a way that is more guided by feminine energy versus a way that is guided by more masculine energy or a way that is guided by both. But it's not like a certain action is categorically masculine or feminine energy. It's it's almost like there's a, a way in which we're approaching a task. Like you said, there are certain environments where a certain energy dominates, but I can approach my my work task today with more of a feminine kind of energy versus a, a more of a masculine energy too. So I think it is when you start to really tune into what this feels like in your own body, in your life, you start to get a sense of some of the, the nuances and um, the different ways in which these energies kind of coexist and mm-hmm. um, support one another as well. Yeah. And I totally agree. They coexist and they, they have to because we need them both. It's not like we only should be in our feminine energy now because then we would never get things done. And it's also, as you mentioned, we're in a analytical and rational way of thinking. And that is also so useful to make decisions. And um, also every now and then it's good to be um, in control of things or to, to try and control to try and control the controllables. I mean, there are things in life that we can't control. And that's, for example, when the feminine part comes in, when the feminine energy comes in, that's when we need to surrender to the things that we can't control. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they have to be, and you mentioned that before as well, it's yin and yang, they both mm-hmm. exist. And um, it's like sun and moon, mm-hmm. where the sun will be the masculine part and the moon is the feminine part. They, we need them both. Otherwise, we can't survive on our planet Earth. And that's Mm -hmm. how we can see the feminine and masculine energy as well. We need them both. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, we can't um, exist in in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think as we've been saying throughout, there are many different systems and structures in our society that 
suppress or devalue more of the feminine energy mm-hmm. and promote and reward and praise more of the masculine energy. Like the workplace setting, like we've talked about commonly prioritizes more of the masculine energy. And, and I think if we, I brought this up in another episode when we were talking about patriarchy and capitalism, but also I think the patriarchy, I think racism, there are certain other systems in our society that don't necessarily value more of an intuitive wisdom or emotional understanding. And so again, we're not saying that feminine energy is better and that we all need to be in feminine energy all the time, but it is an energy that historically has been somewhat suppressed or devalued. And because of that, many of us aren't taught what intuition is or how to Mm -hmm. access intuition, or many of us aren't taught even how to check in with our body. So that was something you mentioned a few minutes ago. One of the ways that we can really take care of ourselves is to be regularly checking in with what we're noticing in our body, because our body does have wisdom and will talk to us (laughs) and will make itself known even louder if we don't listen. And yet many of us don't really have a connection to the physical sensations in our bodies. And the good news is that that is a skill that can be cultivated and practiced. We can, for instance, be experiencing an intense emotion, whether it's anger or fear or sadness. And rather than staying at a more intellectual understanding of, oh, I'm experiencing sadness right now. Oh, this feels like anger. We can check into where do I feel this in my body? Is it a heaviness? Is is it a lightness? Is it a throbbing? Is it a tingling? So really getting more tuned to getting a sense in an embodied way of how different emotions are expressing themselves in our body or practicing some kind of mindfulness-based practice where we're scanning through our body and rotating our awareness through different parts of our body. And of course, there are an infinite number of tools and strategies that we can use to be more in our bodies, movement-based practices like yoga or Tai Chi. And this is my just very long-winded way of saying that I think this is, these are skill sets that many of us aren't taught. And oftentimes it takes something really dramatic happening Mm -hmm. for us to really wake up and realize that we have not learned some of these strategies and skills through no fault of our own because of our culture. So I I would love to hear from you, Isabel, what are some of your favorite ways of helping people cultivate intuition and connect with intuition? Because I think this is such an important question. And as I said, something that many of us haven't been taught how to do and so are Mm -hmm. learning it as adults. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is what what I want to mention here, it's nothing that we have to be taught it's actually something that we just forgot or that we mm-hmm. un, um, unlearned because as kids, yes. we're highly intuitive. Kids sometimes know things that you look at them and you ask yourself, how would they know? And they, they know exactly how, how to feel. See, if a baby is, is, is crying or is screaming, it's something, it's feeling something, something is off with the baby. And that's why it's showing its emotions. Um, it might be anger, it might be just sadness, it might be just hungry, whatever it is. But all these emotions are not something that you want to show um, 
in our society today because there are as well regarded as weak. Um, that's my impression. What because I I I used to struggle. The way I deal with my emotions, especially anger, is I start crying because that's how I deal with. Uh, that's how I handle my my emotion. Mm -hmm. And I it happened to me in my job several times. I started crying and people were looking at me like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? Why is she crying? And I think that this image has to change. It has to um, change that emotions are not regarded as inappropriate anymore, but it's just a way how we as human beings deal uh, with our emotions. And um, to answer your question, how do I tap into my intuition or how do I relearn to tune into my body again? You mentioned a couple already when you said that you can try and ask yourself several questions. How mm -hmm. do I feel today? And mm -hmm. if I have a pain in my body, where is this? Is it a strong pain or is it just um, a tiny, tiny pain that doesn't really bother me, but that I should still look into uh, or should listen to tune into your emotions ask yourself how do I feel right now is that anger or is that rather grief or sadness or is that maybe disappointment and if so where does that come from I think these questions already are so so powerful and so so helpful and such an approachable way of how you can tap into your intuition because there are, there are so many other tools like meditation or yoga or um or tapping um and sometimes these tools seem so difficult to implement into your day because mm -hmm. when i started with meditation i put myself under a lot of pressure and so many of my clients do that too. Like, okay, I want to have this morning routine now and I want to do meditation and I want to do journaling and I want to do all of that to tap into my intuition and to become more feminine again. And um, I want to make it happen and all of this in my morning. So I have two hours in the morning for myself. How do I do that? Well, not like that, actually. <laughs> um, would be ex an example of approaching a task with more of a <laughs> masculine kind of energy. Right. Yes. Right. So I got this to-do list. I want to do that. Um, how do I do that? And if it's not working, what do I do? Well, be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. A lot of um, the way we talk to ourselves also has a lot of impact on how we are able to tap into our intuition. Because if we talk really bad to ourselves, if we are beating ourselves up all of the time, that is. Um, that is something that we need to stop before we can actually tap into our femininity and tap into our intuition again, because that's, that's actually a blockage to um, your feminine energy. If you are trying to make things work and you're, if you're trying to getting things done, um, that's when probably meditation will not work for you. And probably you will mess up the yoga pose, even though I guess you can't really mess up um, a yoga pose because it's about the process it's about learning um, and I mentioned that again it's about learning to let go of that control to have to do something right now and to try and make it work right now mm -hmm. I think 
there was so much wisdom in what you said. And one piece I want to highlight is how the process is the curriculum, how Mm -hmm. so often we think, oh, I'm not doing this right, or this is really hard for me. And so understandably, because none of us really enjoys feeling not good at something, we can give up or get convinced that that tool isn't the right thing for us. And of course, I'm not advocating for sticking with something that doesn't resonate because I Mm -hmm. think that is important to an important way to connect to intuition too, is to feel out what tools and strategies feel right for you. And at the same time, as you said, when we're relearning something, when we're coming home to an innate capacity that we have always had, but are somewhat distanced from because of our society and culture and messages, et cetera, it's going to be hard. (laughs) There are going to be times where we are going to feel like we're doing it wrong or we're messing up. And so, like you said, using that process as part of your curriculum, using Mm -hmm. that process as an opportunity to practice cultivating more of this energy that you are trying to cultivate, which means having that more receptive, compassionate, nurturing kind of quality. So I think that is really an important point to come back to that how you respond to what feels like a mistake or a setback or not being good at something is just as important as getting to this goal that you might have set for yourself because it's all a part of the the process. Right. And um, to be honest, I just started with yoga, um, I guess in February or in March, because for me, it never felt right to do it. I always had to push myself to do it. And that's when it didn't really feel good at all. So everything hurt, my whole body hurt when I did yoga, and I just didn't enjoy it. So I decided that, okay, yoga might not be for me at this point in time, and that's okay. And I tell that to my clients as well all the time. If if you think, or if you're not enjoying the process of diving deeper into meditation, that's okay. You don't have to do it. Nobody is telling you that this is how your day should look like, and this is the only way of how you can tap into your femininity. No. Um, there are so many other ways that you can do. If you're if you like to sing, then do that. If you like to dance, then do that. And you mentioned that before as well. It's the process. And it's also about finding joy in the process and truly enjoying what you're doing. Because if you're not, then you probably will not tap into your intuition. Then you probably will not come to that point where you're like, oh my God, now I feel like my body, mind, and soul are in alignment. And I can listen to my gut, which is basically intuition, that gut feeling that we have as human beings. And I can also be that rational being on the other hand. So these both sides will eventually show when you are able to, to, um, to let go and tap into your intuition in a way that you truly enjoy rather than drag yourself doing it. I think that's a really great point that if, if you're doing something that feels like drudgery or some kind of task in a way that you, you dread it or you're not enjoying it, that is going to be a block to 
accessing intuition. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to access intuition when we're in that kind of exhausted space. And so I do think there can be a, an important component of exploration, figuring out, well, what are the ways that I access intuition? Are there certain times of day where Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more able to access intuition? Does it help if I dance around my kitchen, blasting music for five minutes first, right? (laughs) Or like singing with the windows down in my car. I mean, it really could be anything. Yeah. And, and so there are, there is a trial and error kind of process Mm of, of experimenting and seeing what works. And there could be, as you said, different seasons of life where in the past yoga was not a match for you. And for right now you're, or in, starting in February, you felt more called to explore it again. And so I think I find that very freeing. I can understand how it might also feel overwhelming to feel like, ah, oh, there are so many options. How do I do this? And I, for me, I think the reason I find it empowering is because if something doesn't work, there are other options. There right. are other ways we can get creative. And I think creativity is a part of feminine energy as well. Oh, and right. creativity doesn't mean just creating art in terms of painting or pottery. It could create creativity could be cooking a meal that you really Mm -hmm. enjoy or organizing some kind of fun activity with a friend. I mean, creativity can be expressed in so many, so many different kinds of ways. Oh yeah. So I think that's important to keep in mind too, that your process of exploration is also a practice in experimenting with with feminine energy and embodying it a bit more yeah definitely and it it is so important and I guess when I started tapping into or understanding the whole process about um, feminine and masculine energy I read a book um, I guess it's called the miracle morning and this book it says that you should start your morning in one specific way in order to make your day really great Mm -hmm. and I read the book and it sounded so interesting so that's when I started to do my meditation and I did a quick workout and I did some journaling and all of these I guess it were it was it was seven six or seven things that you basically had to do in order to start your day right and actually that worked for me for a couple of days and weeks I guess But then at one point I felt so exhausted and Mm. I was like, oh, really? I have to start my day like that to make my day go great. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) feel like that at all. Mm -hmm. And that's when I actually understood that it's not about what you do and in which order you do, or if you meditate and journal and move your body every day, it's not, it's, it's more about tuning into your body and find out what you truly enjoy and then do that every morning. If you, as you said, if you, if you love to cook, playing some music, do that and really enjoy, enjoy that. And that is what will make your day be great. Mm -hmm. And that is what will make you tap into your intuition and be guided with your spirit and also your, your rationality and your analytical um, brain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So don't forget the joy, Wh- whatever you start to do. Like, <laughs> that's the most important factor of joy. Yeah. I think it's more sustainable to start with something that feels more full of joy as opposed to starting with the thing that feels like the thing we should do, or mm-hmm. that's, that's so much harder. And, and Isabel, I love what you shared earlier about 
coming home to intuition and relearning, connecting to intuition through questions we can ask, ask ourselves throughout the day. Because like you said, I imagine there may be people listening who are thinking, okay, this sounds great. This is something I want to practice more in my life or reconnect to. And yet I'm feeling overwhelmed. (laughs) Like we're saying that it can feel like another to do item. And so to get away from that, adding to the to-do list kind of energy or phenomenon, I think it can be helpful to think about, okay, well, what is one small shift I can make in my day? And is it at lunchtime asking myself Mm -hmm. one of these questions? So starting small, like you said, because it is a process and it is a journey. And, and my personal belief is that I think consistency is more important than, amount, right? So if you take 30 seconds each day to check in with yourself, and one of the ways that we've been talking about that is really powerful and really helpful to more long-term change than if you once a month do a four-hour retreat for yourself, and that's the time right. that, that you check in. So at any rate, I think this, this idea of choosing, okay, am I am I feeling more connected to sensations in my body? Or like you said, more emotions or more preferences and desires. What do I actually want to eat for breakfast? And really checking in with with my body. So I love that idea. And I'm, I'm wondering, as we work towards wrapping up, if you have any other tips or pearls of wisdom that you can share about people who want to dip their toe in and to start reconnecting to this more feminine energy and intuitive sense of knowing other ways that people can integrate this in a way that feels sustainable. I know we've talked about the the joy piece and some other elements of this too, but any other thoughts that you want to share that we haven't quite had the chance to talk about yet? Sure. Um, I actually love that you said it's about consistency and that you mentioned 30 seconds Mm -hmm. because people usually think like, oh my gosh, so I have to do one hour of self-care in order to tune into Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's really, there are so, as I said several times now, there are so many, so many ways of how you can do that. And one big game changer for me, basically, which I um, incorporated into my my days really quick was become more conscious, become more aware um, of my breath. Mm. Because I think, um, or I know, I mean, when we are put under a lot of pressure and be it external or um, ourselves putting under putting us under a lot of pressure, we, for, we forget to breathe. We are in that fight or flight mode. And that's when our body systems just shut down and we um, breathe differently than we actually should breathe. So what I did is I put a little sticky note with that simple word breathe onto mm. my computer screen. And I didn't really see it all the time, even though it was there all the time, but every now and then I would see that yellow sticky note and and I remembered, oh, okay. So now's the time to check into my breathing. How am I breathing right now? Is it that, um, is it that really deep belly breath or is it not? And, um, what does it do to my body if I don't breathe, um, into, into my, into my belly? Um, or become more mindful with uh, things like drinking water 
if you have your glass of water right next to you, which you should, (laughs) (laughs) or which makes sense, or just have it in your kitchen and go there regularly to get your water in, really become mindful of you picking up that glass of water, you drinking it, and you really feeling what that water does in your body and how it makes you feel better afterwards. Because we are nourishing our body with that water and you really can feel a difference when you when you drink. But if you put a put more mindfulness to that, to that process, which we do so often, which we do so um, unconsciously, I guess, if you put more mindfulness to that, that will also make a change. And it doesn't have to be like a huge or major change. It's these small changes that add up. It's these small changes that will add up to a big shift in your life. Or maybe it is um, the way you take a shower every morning or every evening, whenever you take your shower, be more mindful of that process. How do you, how do you shower, feel that water on your skin? How does that make you feel? Maybe it's refreshing. Maybe you, maybe the water is hot or maybe it's cold. What does it feel like? All these tiny little things that you can do to implement more mindfulness into, into your day. And I feel that this is something that we can do pretty easy without the overwhelm, without feeling, oh my gosh, I have to do this now, or otherwise I will not be healthy anymore, or otherwise I will be running into a burnout next week or um, put us under a lot of pressure again. These are things that we do anyways in our days and just make them, I mean, I'm always saying just, it's not a just, but mm-hmm. become more mindful. And that's a process too. It's, it's training, it's practice. And this is nothing, if you haven't done it for the past 10 years, it's, it's likely that it's not going to happen <laughs> overnight. Right. And that you just have to just again, you just have to remember to do it again and again. And the more often you do it, the better, um, well, better might not be the, the perfect word here, but <laughs> Um, the easier it gets for you and the more mindful you will be in your whole life throughout your whole day. And I guess that is something that you can remember or can uh, remind yourself of um, when you try to connect with your femininity and your intuition more. Mm -hmm. I love that this was one of the tips that you shared, Isabel, because I'm a huge proponent of this idea of integration. So really figuring out what's already in your life and how can you bring more consciousness, more awareness, more mindful attention to that so that it doesn't feel like an add-on. If you're already drinking water, all of us are already breathing. Like you said, coming up with some activity that you're already doing, and even for a small part of that activity, bringing some more mindful attention to that activity is a way to continue to reconnect with this feminine energy, with this intuition. So even the first set a timer for the first three minutes of a snack or meal that you're eating and really Mm -hmm. trying to savor the food. Like you said, you gave so many great examples of ways that this can be practiced without adding on more things that it really can be, as we've been saying, a way of approaching certain activities versus about versus adding on more activities, so to speak. So I really, really love that idea. And 
similar to your post-it note idea, something that I'll often talk with clients about is setting alarms on your phone Mm -hmm. that that have little reminders, kind of like people's Apple watches or Fitbits often say, oh, get up or, oh, (laughs) you haven't, which I know sometimes can feel a little bit um, like, I don't know, boot camp like or or somewhat. I know I feel annoyed when my watch tells me like, Today, yesterday wasn't a great day, Melissa. <laughs> Let's try to close those rings today. That's not helpful. You were a little lazy yesterday. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but having a kind reminder that whether it is a question, like we've been talking about, like, how are you really doing right now? Mm-hmm. Something like that, or a reminder to notice your breath or take a sip of water mindfully and really feeling the water go down your throat and into your belly. So sometimes I think having post-its, like you said, or rem- reminders on, on your phone that go off throughout the day in a way that again is kind and compassionate, <laughs> doesn't feel too intrusive, can, can be helpful because we all get immersed in our day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And so that's very human and understandable. So Isabel, I'm so, so grateful that you were willing to come on the podcast this week. I wish that we had so much more time because there's so much more we could talk about, but I think this is a wonderful start and I just so appreciate you and all the work that you do on this planet and, and the, the energy that you bring to your conversations and interactions with people personally and professionally. So thank you so, so much for being here. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate our connection. I'm so happy that we met. Yes, same, same. It was very serendipitous. So thank you so much, Isabel. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, or leave us a review. If you'd like to reach out or connect more, please follow me on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next time.